And, you know, typically, we are very familiar with fire in southern Oregon. And it's typically been a negative thing. But fire also can be a positive thing. And what I saw was their ministry igniting a fire that caused other fires along the I-5 corridor. And they just started spreading east. We can't go west much farther. We fall into the ocean. But I'll tell you, I just see your ministry lighting hearts of fire. And as people catch that flame and they stand next to somebody in the marketplace, wherever that may be, their circle of influence, that in that place, they too will catch on fire. And this will grow. You guys bring such clarity to something that has been hard to understand at times. So I thank you for that. So let's give Tom and Katie Cornell a big hand. Come on up. Can I get some of the elders up here, some of the leaders? Come on up. As always, we're going to pray for them. Just an anointing. All right. As Pastor Doug was talking about fire, uh, our youth were at a retreat last weekend, and um, they did a controlled burn, all the brush that was underneath all these big pines and firs. And I was thinking about that, too. That's what truth does is it eliminates all the falseness, all the stuff that tries to choke out the big, tall trees from really prospering. And um, as Doug was talking, I just thought about that. So thank you, Lord, so much for Tom and Katie, for their ministry, Lord, for blessing us. And may they continue to preach your word. Just the light of the gospel would be shown and dominate and just expose darkness, God. And that we would be enlightened, others would be enlightened to your truth, Jesus. We just thank you for them. Ask their continued blessings. Lord, I ask that um, we would have ears to hear and eyes to see uh, what your spirit is saying to this church through them. Uh, Thank you, Lord. Just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. So... It's our honor to be here with you. I want to introduce you uh, to those who came with us, our disciples. Would you guys stand up? These guys, would you guys just honor these guys? They drove down here, paid for themselves, and just said, hey, we want to serve. Thank you, guys. Bless you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just absolutely love that the Lord allows me to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. That, to me, is just like... I'm in, I'm in awe. Give you a little bit about my story. I gave it on Friday night. Um, but I, I, I didn't grow up in the church. And anyone else here, you didn't grow up in the church. You got saved later. Your parents, okay. So I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, middle child of 11. And um, we just grew up. I'm a redheaded kid. The Where I grew up was mostly black and and other, you know, Vietnamese and whatever, just a big melting pot, very few white people. And, uh, I, I, you know, redheads get made fun of with white people, no less like, you know, so, so I, I fought just, it felt like every single day, but I had six brothers and four sisters. And so, you know, I did all right. So, um, but we, that hardens you, by the way, 
it hardens you to, you see people die, you see, you know, um, there's a lot of gang violence and stuff like that. And so you, you watch people that you love um, get shot, get killed, and it does something to you. It affects you from a young age. And so I didn't realize how much it affected me, but then I moved from there to a place called Olala. Okay, listen, this is the ends of the earth. It doesn't go any further than this. And it's called Olala, which means the land of many berries. And so Tacoma to the land of many berries. And I'm telling you, I was, uh, I was wearing, you know, FUBU pants and polos up to the, you know, Jordans. And just like I was out of place. They had horses and goats. You know what I mean? It was like no sidewalks. And I was in shock. And it's like a practical joke on your children. So, um, so I just got in fight after fight after fight because I was reading everyone wrong. You know, people look at me. I'm like, oh, okay, you want something? And they're like, what? What's going on? You know, I just beat them up. And it was like I was reading everything wrong. I thought, you know, I have to kind of prove my case and be the tough guy so that, you know, people respect me. And they're like, no, we're just scared of you. And in Tacoma, that's what was valued. And so anyways, so my house burns down. We end up homeless. And... um I just spend the rest of the time from about, you know, 14 on just on my own. And um, it hardened me again. And any kind of glimmer of light or hope of just joy and kind of whatever, it's just, it just got farther and farther away. And I began to rob people. I began to hurt people. And my soul was literally being destroyed it felt like it was it was just so much darkness and so much rage Have you ever seen someone with just pure rage someone would look at me and I would just I would just run up on them and hurt and just I just wanted someone else to feel what I felt inside which was just pain so much pain and I called out to the Lord because I didn't want to be that person and I remember I was in a trailer staying on someone's couch and I couldn't sleep I was having nightmares, I was being tormented, and I called out to God, and I said, God, I don't want to be this person. I'm tired of being tired. I'm sick of being sick. Help. And I called out just from the core of who I was. And then I was on a ferry one day, and I met this lady here, and sweet Christian girl had no idea what she was getting herself into when she came and said hi. And I had a Johnny Cash t-shirt on, and he's just giving the bird, you know. And that's how I felt about the world. And so she looked right past all of it and just was a nice girl. She had a friend with her. I had a friend with me. We went to the same school. I didn't really, I didn't know her, but I knew the person she was with. And we just talked. She invited me to church. She invited my friend to church. She invited her friend to church. And um, I said, you know, just, I just had cried out to God. So I'm like, huh? So I said, yeah, I'll go. And the guys I'm living with are literally like pimps and like, we're like planning, robbing people, drug, we're like robbing drug dealers. So it's like, we have to plan this thing out. I just look back. I'm like, after I got saved, it was like a veil was sticking. I'm like, what am I doing? It was like, we got a, We got this one drug dealer. He's going to ship me in and you know, stuff like that. We're like, what are, what are, you, what are we doing? But, um, I go to church three weeks in, I get in a fight the night before church with a guy who's a, he's a pimp and I, I, he's a big black guy and he made a racial comment and I just beat the snot out of him. But after I beat him up, I felt bad. 
was I never felt bad for fighting. So I'm like, this is super confusing. So, so this sweet girl calls me again. She keeps inviting me to church. You're going to come to church tomorrow. So I have a question. I said, Kevin just did this and I beat him up and now I feel bad, but I'm not sure why. And she says, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. I said, the Holy what? I had heard about Jesus, but I didn't know nothing about no Holy Ghost. So I, I was like, ah, this girl's talking some weird stuff. So I said, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. I need a ride. My buddy took my truck out, joyriding, and popped the tires. She said, I'll be there in the morning. I spent the rest of the night reflecting on how did I become this person? Holy Spirit's just working on me, helping me see who I was. And I didn't want to be that person, but I couldn't see that I was that person. So she picks me up. We get to church. No one's there yet because the band's still doing practice. It's like 40 minutes before church starts. And I'm in the middle. No one's there. I bow my head, and I say, Jesus. And when I said his name, it was like lightning and love just inside of me. And it was like pulsating from my head to my toe. And it freaked me out. I didn't know what it was, but I just started weeping. In my family, you do not cry in front of people. You never cry. That's weakness. You don't show it. I didn't even care. And I went out. Just The Lord just took me somewhere else. And he began to heal my broken heart, my soul. And he did that every week for four months. And then the fourth, the, the, that last time that it was really that intense and like just literally the power of God would come on me and I would pass out. Um, the last time it happened, he brought up stuff that I really, to be honest, I didn't want to talk about. He couldn't have brought it up the first week. He brings it up, and I'm like, it's okay. You've already done so much. It's all right. And he says this to me. He says, Tom, you don't have to fight anymore. I broke. Because everyone that was in my life thought I loved fighting. Because if they were going to be in a fight, they're like, we're going to get Tom. He doesn't fight by the rules. I would just take your eye socket out. I would, whatever it was, I was going to win this fight. And they all thought I loved that. I hated it. Because I've had to do it since I was born. When, my, when, we, when our house burned down, I had to do it for just a roof. What am I going to eat today? What are, I just was tired of fighting. I just want sheets and a bed and the parents that care where I am. I don't have it. And so everyone thought this guy loves to fight. I was tired of fighting. And the only one who really knew that was there. And he says, you don't have to fight anymore. And it was like the words were three, like... 3D, they just, and it was like my soul, it was like I was finally known, and this is someone I could trust more than anything, and I just released everything, and he took it, and he said, get up, he said, get up, and every week before this, it would take me a long time to come out of these places, the spirit of God would be on me, I couldn't feel my legs, I would just be out, gone, couldn't walk, couldn't nothing, and drooling everywhere, it's embarrassing, and it would take me five, ten minutes to get off the ground because I couldn't feel my legs, you know, and I was, I was like coming slowly back into my body, basically, and I would just try to, pastor's already preaching, worship's over, I didn't even know worship started, and I would just try to crawl up on my chair like no one saw. Good word, pastor, you know, like, and this time it was like when he said, get up, I could feel every part of me, and I stood up, and I felt like I was floating. So much was lifted off that I thought I was literally, I had to check to make sure I was still on the ground. And I remember later when I was reading the scriptures, when instead of saying, be healed, he says, rise up. But he was healing them, but he says, get up, take up your mat. And it was like this 
you're healed. Get up and walk. And from that moment, people begin to speak into my life. And it was the weirdest. I thought Christians were super weird because, one, I didn't ever, I, these are the first Christians I ever knew. So, you know, I did not hang out with Christians. I didn't know any Christians. These are the only Christians I know. And so I would go to Home Depot. I'd go wherever, and people, brother. And I was like, oh, I got six brothers. I don't think you're one of them. You know, like. And they're like, you're a Christian, right? And I was like, oh, okay, because I thought this guy wanted to fight or something. You know, I'm still, the renewing of the mind still took time. So, so I was like, yeah, this guy think I owe him money or something? So, yo, you're a Christian, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, hey, come up on me a little slower because the old part's still dying. You might have got, might have put you to sleep. So, um, so they would start prophesying. Everywhere I went, people would just come up to me. Didn't matter where I was. These weird Christians would find me, and they would tell me all about anything and everything I ever did, and well, everything God wanted to do. And I was just like, either these Christians are super spiritual and say really spiritual, weird stuff, or God's trying to speak to me. I wasn't sure which one it was. But, but I had known this one thing. My life is no longer my own. I had tried life. I had tried it my best I, I, in sports, all that stuff, I always excelled because there's this fighter in me. And so I was homeless from 14, went through middle school, high school on my own, worked, all this stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. <laughs> I was so broken. I just couldn't do it. By the time I was 19, I just couldn't do anymore. I needed Jesus. And just when I whispered his name, not because I did anything good. I was in the midst of rebellion and just really hurting people. And he saw right past all of it. The Bible says he so loves the world. There's so much brokenness and depravity, and it's not God. It's the devil who came to steal, kill, and destroy. And God, in the midst of my rebellion, and in a sense, serving Satan, he came and he snatched me out of darkness. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm absolutely in love with Jesus, and I don't care who knows. I want the whole world to know because I know a whole bunch of broken people. Everyone I grew up with, if you were to hear their stories, it would just break your heart. Break your heart. These guys I grew up with, their parents are drug dealers, have AIDS, they die, you know, murdered, killed, all this stuff. It's so broken out there. But I found the solution to it. His name is Jesus. So I just started telling everyone. And my... This is what I, I've resolved. To, to the Lord, whatever he says, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Because my life used to be mine. It led to death and destruction. But when I met him and when I was baptized, I said I was dying. And that's it. I'm dead. And now the resurrected Christ gets to live his life through me. And whatever he wants from me, my answer is yes. So then he says, I want you to go to Africa. I said, have you seen me? <laughs> like, this is, doesn't make any sense. So my answer is yes. My answer is yes. doesn't make any sense to me, but my answer is yes. White kid, we, you know, the place he sent us was, was the Sahara Desert. I'm like, <laughs> I got enough sunscreen for someone like me. I'm like, this is, this is a practical joke. So, so we go, me and my wife. I don't know how old we were. I don't know, 20 years old. We didn't go with an organization or nothing. 
We just heard his voice. So we get on a plane. We don't even have a visa. Church, we didn't know. We get there. They speak French. I'm like, <laughs> they're like saying some word and turns out it was, they were saying, I, I can't get in. I don't have a visa. They're like, go over here. But they're speaking French. I barely speak English. I'm like, oh, great. So I go over there. They take a photo. They take my, visa, my, my passport from me, throw it in a box of like 100 others. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to leave. You know, like, I was just like, <laughs> push us out. I don't have a visa. I don't have, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what have we done? But my answer is yes. And we're there. And uh, the Lord says, I want you to do this. And he tells us what he wants to do. I want you to build a school in this, this, this remote. I'm talking, they didn't have, there was goat trails to get there. I'm like, how can we build something out here? We're in the middle of nowhere. We show up in a vehicle. No one's ever seen a car before or white people. And this has to be the first white person they see. I'm like, this is a practical joke. This is crazy. Kids are crying and running away. I was like, I would too. I'm like, this is crazy. The Lord tells me, this is what I want you to do. I'm like, I'm in college still. I'm giving everything I have to obey your voice. I got nothing to give these people. But my answer is yes. So we start building the first school. $50,000 just to get the out, outside part of the building. I don't have $50. To go to Africa... This small church I was a part of at the time was helped planting this church, and in, in, in it was like, man, it would be 50 people would have been like a big sign. It would be Easter, you know. Like, we, it was such a small church, and they, they gave all this money for us to go. I'm like, I, I thought, you know, I thought, I'll just say yes, and then we won't have the, you know what I mean? Like, we'll tell people, but, like, how are we going to go? And sure enough, all the finances always. And I'm like, man. So looks like I'm going to Africa. So, <laughs> so. We, we build this first school. And the Lord, I begin to watch as they, this is a, they tell us this is the darkest community in the country. This is the most powerful witch doctor in the country. And I'm like, they're like, he's like, he just, he just in this, goes in the spirit and kills people. And I'm like, thanks, Lord. So it, ignorance is sometimes good. I just was like, okay, well. I didn't know anything about witchcraft. I'm thinking, like, what are you talking about? Like, witches going in the spirit. I don't. I, don't, I didn't know anything about that. Thank goodness. I didn't know enough to be scared, you know. So, preach the gospel. People get saved. All this stuff starts happening. Well, now, fast forward four, 13, 14 years, and we have seven schools and thousands of kids and churches and hospitals and all this stuff. And the Lord is is saying, I'm going to change this portion of the world the muslims and the 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 animists you know they're the ones who rule everything the the muslims kill you if you don't believe the animists are that's witchcraft and they'll kill you if you don't you know honor all this stuff and i'm like lord you're sending me there why and it doesn't have to make any sense to me but my answer is yes amen and so the Lord, we saw 12,000 people saved last year. These are Muslims and witches. 12,000 of them saved last year. <laughs> Going places, they say we're not even allowed to go. We saw five resurrections. 
saw countless healings. It just doesn't, like, deliverance and healing, all this, the lame walking, the deaf hearing, like, it's just, it's just amazing. And my answer is just yes. Because those people, some of which have done wickedness, and I go, yeah, me too. So if the mercy and the grace of God is for me, it's for them. So now it makes sense. Grew up a poor kid with no home. And the Lord sent me to this place of poverty and hardship. And I'm like, yeah, this is like home. <laughs> this is like, this I feel like I grew up here. And the Lord says, yep. I said, wow, you take what seems like it's one thing and you make it another. You're a good God. So merciful and so gracious. We see witch doctors saved. It's just crazy what the Lord is doing. And I want to extend, it's, I'm going to preach on something else, but I just want to extend to you the opportunity to partner with what God's doing. This is how I always feel that God allows me to be a part of what He's doing in the earth. I, listen, it's beyond, I would have never thought it up, what He's doing. We're seeing, what we're seeing is just absolutely crazy. It's not, it doesn't make logical sense. We have missionaries that talk to us that say, that say, I was there for this many years and we didn't do, we couldn't get anything off the ground. How are you guys doing this? I don't know. We just, we didn't go through the six year school you went through to learn how to be a missionary. We just went and we just obeyed God's voice and this is what he's done. And they're like, no, I'm like, what'd you, how'd you really do it? It's like, nah, that's what we did. And they're like, nah, it has to be more complicated than that. I'm like, nah, we just, we just obeyed his voice. If we would have learned from the teachers how to do it, we probably would have done it differently. But we learned from the teacher how to do it, and it's caused this crazy, outrageous fruit. And so I want to give you that opportunity today. Later today, you can go out in the lobby. We, spawn, we have these kids, and we're feeding thousands of kids every single day. And we're seeing thousands of kids. I'm talking some of these kids, they're, they're bound to be the next witch doctor in the community because that's their lot. The lot fell on them. They're the next high priest of Satan in their community. And then they get saved. And their families abandon them and say, you're not allowed to come home unless you're willing to do the, the sacrifices. And I said, I'm not willing to do the sacrifice. There's been a sacrifice. There's no more need for sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice. And I'm like, these kids are being abandoned. And we're just like... What is the church supposed to do? We take them in. We care for them. And so that's what we're doing, and that's what we're extending to you an opportunity to be a part of, is to raise up a generation. Raise up a generation of people who their yes is yes to the Lord. Not because it was an easy yes. It cost them everything. Amen? It cost Jesus everything. And it costs us everything. And so we have a bunch of kids out there. Many of these kids, if you just hear their stories. Oh, right now, if you want to partner with, you can take one of these, ponder on it. By the end of the day, if you say you, you want to do it, you can fill it out. If you're like, mm, prayed about it, didn't really want to do it, um, um, I'm just put it back out at the table out there. Um, but we have a video. Check this out. This is what God's doing.
So, <laughs> but um, we want to give you an opportunity to be, be a part of what God's doing. You know, and Jesus talks about, you know, doing it for those who could never pay you back. And I promise you, not, not one of them could possibly pay us back. You know, we spend more on coffee than they make. You know, it's just like, it's unreal um, what God's doing. And uh, I want to allow you to, to give you an opportunity to be a part of that. And if that's something you're interested in, can you just raise your hand? We're going to have them bring um, one of these kids um, to you. It's $35 a month. And uh, this is going to provide for their, their, their school, their health care, their, their clothes, their, um, their education, just all that stuff. We want to raise an army of kids who love the Lord, and they can take it into the furthest places, places we can't go. Mali. Listen, when we go to the north, they have to hide us because they're, they're being murdered there. The Muslims are murdering the Christians. We had 20 pastors two years ago that we were partnered with, and there's like seven of them still alive. They're all murdered. And some of these kids are their children who have lost their families, and other people took them in, and they don't have homes or any of these things, and we said, we'll take them. We'll take them. There's a church in America we'll partner with. We'll take those kids. We'll, 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 we'll extend the Father's heart to these kids. And so that's what we're doing, and uh, I'm telling you, the need is far greater than anything my wife and I possibly do, but it's been the church who said, we're with you. We're with you. And um, every time we go, the need that's brought before us, some of these guys have been there, and they see the need, and they hear the requests. And these requests, you know, in America, if we hear one person that has a need like this, we would just like, no way, that's not okay. We would go to just meet that need. There, it's like you're surrounded by a need that's just crazy, crazy. People's wives who were taken and 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 and. and the stuff that's being done to them is is unthinkable, and their children are left, and it's just unreal some of the stuff that's happening. And but um, we don't run away from the darkness; we run to it to bring the light. Amen, amen. So when we get to go, in a sense, but there's a bunch of people behind us that are sending us there to empower these people to to not lay down, to not shrink back. The Bible says we're not of those who shrink back. And then this is the people that we're with. Like we said, so many martyrs that we've worked with. They're no longer. They're before the throne of God right now. But we were working with them when they were killed. Even some of them on video saying goodbye before they were killed. And it's like that's real. This isn't, a, this isn't something we've heard about. This is, this is what we're doing. And so... Um, I just want to say thank you for all those who said yes. You want to be a part of it because it's real. Yeah, stop by the table, fill that out, and you can stop by the table if you didn't. But now you're like, okay, I want to just at the table. You can you can do that. Um, follow you know by filling that out, you'll get some of our information. We do, do we do trips every January, every June. You can go on one of those trips. There's a process because it's not a joke. What we're doing is not a, it's not it's not a safari you know so you have we kind of vet people make sure because we're going into the darkness so if you're going to go we want to make sure that you're all right with jesus you're doing good and that you're not going to go unaware amen i asked the lord what he wanted to speak on this morning and he changed the topic on me from what i thought he wanted to talk on so he told me this morning so we'll see how it goes <laughs>
Lord, we thank you for your word. It's life to us. It's life to us. We ask that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart of understanding. We ask that the wisdom and knowledge of the, 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 the sevenfold spirit of God, that wisdom and understanding and knowledge would be given to us by that spirit for us to understand, for us to know, and for us to walk in it. Speak life to us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. I, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Pretty, pretty famous. Well, the whole Bible is pretty famous, but the you know, number one selling book in history every year. <laughs> it is. There's not another book published more and printed more than this book. Every year, it's the number one selling book. And it has been. <laughs> I was telling Bradford, this is one of uh, my disciples, and you stand up, look at this, we didn't do this on purpose, but that's awesome. <laughs> Come on. They just found last week, this is crazy, go look this up, I was seeing it last night, they just found, this is one of the biggest archaeological discoveries in history, they just found it last, well, last week they announced it for the first time. What's that? No, they, they, they found the tablets. You know, when they went into um, to the promised land, uh, Moses made them take tablets, one with curses and one with blessings, and put them on two different mountains. And it was a covenant with God of what would happen if they, if they either didn't obey his voice and the, the tablets of cursing, and if they did, the tablets of blessing. They found the tablets of cursing. They found them on the mountain. It says it was on. They found it. This is the oldest document. This is the oldest discovery ever of any biblical thing. They actually still had people who were saying that Moses didn't write the Old Testament. He didn't write the Pentateuch, the first five books, because the Hebrew people could not have had a language that developed that early. And they just found a document with the Hebrew, exact Hebrew, saying exact words of the Bible that is all the way to the time of Moses. They just found it. The largest archaeological discovery in history. Just happened last week. They, just, they announced it. Your Bible. This isn't, this isn't just stories. This is history. I love that they're still finding and going. Because most archaeological people, they're, they're just, this is a job. I mean, they get paid. It's like, they, you know, they're going to put their name in history because they find something. But now that doesn't mean they believe in the Bible. And these people are finding the, the Bible. They're finding the artifacts that literally are said. They made this and they put it here. They found the actual altar. It says on the same mountain they made an altar. They found it. It says they, they, they took uncut stones and put plaster around it. They found it. And they're like... Are you kidding me? They use the Bible now to go find items. Like just, we should just follow this. Weird. You know, we're like, yeah, we already knew that. So this thing's, this thing's absolutely amazing. But I want to I look at a passage that's pretty common, but it's absolutely packed. 
And then, like I said, the Lord told me this morning, so we'll see how it goes. I like that. He doesn't do it to, to me all the time. He'll tell me like Tuesday, hey, I want you to talk on Sunday. I get a little time to meditate on it, you know? So it was this morning, so we'll see how it goes. It says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. The, the disciples asked him how to pray, and he says like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I just stopped there. The fact that we get to call Yahweh Father, let me just tell you, that to me should never get, I just talked about at Sozo Church, I said, listen, we have this problem. This is the problem. In America, we make God friend too quickly. How many of you know it takes time to make a friend? You can have acquaintances, but it takes time to really make a friend. We make God friend right away. I'm down with Jesus. Jesus is just okay with me, you know. He's all right with me. And we just make God buddy-buddy before we really understand who he is. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed. Holy. You're holy. The Bible says he's a consuming fire. Moses asked, can I see you? Show me you. I want to see you. He says, listen, no man can see me and live. No man can see God in this nature, in this way, and live. We just make Jesus just, just a buddy. We don't recognize that he, this God, the triune, the Father, Son, Holy, this God existed before time and decided to make a universe and just spoke it and it happened. He's a star-breathing God. This is crazy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I want you to know me as Father. To me, by the way, also to the Jewish people, because they understood him as the one Korah rises up against Moses and the earth swallows him. They're like, that's who God is. And then he's like, I want to be known as dad. They're like, uh, you know, like, uh, they wouldn't even say Yahweh. They wouldn't even say it. Church, they would not say his name because they revered him. They wouldn't write his name. When you read the Bible, when it says Lord, capital Lord, that's what they did. They shortened it, changed the vowels so that they could say what they meant to say. We're talking about Yahweh. We all know that, but we, none of us dare say his name. Lest we accidentally take it in vain. That's how they revered this God. We see Job questions God. I'm telling you, when I read that, it was like, this is the God I know. Because when I was taken into those encounters, that's what was happening. I felt this reverence, this love, and yet reverence that I couldn't describe. I spent years trying to describe it to Katie. I had a reverence and an understanding of the sovereignty and the vastness of who this God was. Just because I was in the same space. Not because I saw him, because I was in the same space. It was like I knew stuff about the Bible before I ever read it. 
because I was in his space. Job, he says, he says, who is this who darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Prepare yourself as a man, for I have questions for you, and you will answer. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth, when I measured them out? Surely you were there. You're so old and so wise, Job. Job's silent. Where were you when I made the streams of the deep? Who feeds the ravens, Job, when they call out hungry? Where does the snow come from, Job? How about the wind? Job, you know so much. Job's like, I am less than a man. I will never have you. He's just like. So we treat God as common. And he's like, who is this who darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? It's like this God. Father. Call me father. That's what I want to be. Maybe some in this room are above 65 and you, you, you have a different view of how to treat mom and dad. But I think the 60s and 70s, maybe we ruined something. Something happened there. And we disregard mom and dad. There's a lack of reverence. Maybe it's a getting further away from our roots. But my dad is Irish, Italian. Both of my grandparents are immigrants. We call it a patafamilia, the head of the family. There was one. And you respected dad. He would take you off your feet if you didn't. So I still had that dad who was raised by immigrants and Irish and Italian. Why would a full Irish person and a full Italian woman marry? I have zero idea. But they did, and they produced my dad. And I feared him. I loved him with all my heart, but I feared him. I knew how to treat my dad. And I knew if I didn't treat him that way, I was going to take a nap. <laughs> Not because he was going to send me to the room. <laughs> I had an understanding of how I was to treat him. So then when I met the Lord and I had this encounter with the, the, the Lord, I, there was a reverence. You are God and I'm not. And the fact that you sent your son to die for me because you love me. The Bible says in Matthew 22 that Pharisees, Sadducees asked Jesus, what's the greatest of the commandments? What does Jesus say? I'm hearing the whispers. You can speak. It's okay. In Washington, they talk to me, so it's okay. You can talk to me. What does he say? Everything that you are, love the Lord. Love him. This is what he requires of you, church. What's the second of the two? Love your neighbor as yourself. In this, the law and the prophets are fulfilled. The fullness of the law and the prophets are fulfilled in this. If you do this, you'll fulfill it. And only one man was able to do it. And then he requires that of us. Not because we can do it, but because he did it. And now we live from the victory that he, he had. 
but he requires that we love him. I see that church oftentimes will do the second command because they don't know how to do the first command. It's just easier to love those we can see. But when we choose to do that, church, our love has limits. Because God's love has no, no limits. And what I found was I would go and be with him. <sighs> this void that was there is gone. I had a void that only love could meet. And we see our young and our old do this. We try to meet that void in men or women or whatever. Jobs, careers, money. We try to fill this void. God will only be the one who can feel it. So I met him. I didn't care. I lost my friends, my family. I lost everything. They didn't want anything to do with me. I didn't care. I cared for the fact that I loved my family, but it was not going to detour me from being with him. I'm in love. I met the one who healed me, satisfies me. That's it. I could lose everything else. I'll be just fine. Really, in a sense, I could lose all of that, and I don't feel like I lost a thing. That's how great this treasure I found was. I won't trade it for anything. But what I discovered is it makes it really easy to love others. Because I'm before him and I don't leave. This isn't what I do. I don't spend time with him and then leave him to go love you. I love you before him. So then I see you through him. So I, my wife would ask me, how come you keep loving that brother of yours? He's so nasty to you and treats you so, and I go, he's so broken. I just see what God sees. I see a broken person. Yeah, but it's not okay that he, I don't even see it that way. Just seeing it through his heart. Your parents, but they've done this and they've done that. Da, 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 da. I go, man, they're so hurting. Their parents did the same thing to them. They're just trying to do their best. I'm just seeing through the Father's heart. Now I can actually love because I'm looking through love. But I see so many spend a little bit of time, and maybe they do. <laughs> and then they go and they try to love the world. And when they hear Paul say, love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's long-suffering. It it's like, well, kind of until someone cuts you off or wrongs you or this or that and your love has limits without being with him in the way you ought to be your love will have limits so don't do the second command before the first command do the first command and the byproduct is the second command it'll be evidence that you're my disciples that you love me because the world will be able to see your love Not because, okay, let me show you. John, or Matthew chapter 7, what, is, what happens in Matthew chapter 7? There's this moment in Matthew chapter 7 should freak all of us out and put a reverence in us. Jesus says, not everyone that comes before me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter. He says, there's going to be people who, who come before me. And, I, and, and they said, didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we prophesy? Some of the stuff that we did this week, didn't we do all of that? And he says, I don't know you. Get away from you, those of you who break God's law. What? They did the second command without doing the first command. 
What's, how do you fulfill all the law? Love God with everything you are. Get away from me. What did they say they did? We, we, we loved others. We cast out, we encouraged and prop. We did all, didn't we? You broke God's law. You didn't love him. You tried to do the second command without abiding in the first. You can't do it. In fact, if you try to do the second command without just abiding in love with him, it's, it's, it's twisted, by the way. You're trying to get something from them. When people come up to me, hey, great sermon, Pat. Oh, thanks. It doesn't do a single thing for me. It doesn't do anything for me. I wasn't doing it for your praise. <laughs> but when people, I meet pastors all the time, how do I do? What do you think? And I could feel behind it, they're not just wondering how they can get better at communication. They want an affirmation. You need to go get that from him so you don't go get it from them. That's dangerous to get it from man because they'll turn on you quick. But if I'm getting it here, I don't care if you turn on me. That my identity is not wrapped up in whether you like me or don't like me. And if you're at Sosa, they know. I'll just say, hey, you're sinning. Pastors won't say that if, unless they've been before a, rever a God. Because if you're serving, I said this, whoever you fear, you'll serve. If I fear man, I'll serve man for their praise, for their whatever. But if I revere him, that's who I'll serve. And the Bible requires, the Bible says, what does the Lord require of you except that you fear him? The Lord requires that of you. A reverence, not being scared of God. There's a difference of being scared of God and revering and honoring God. He says, don't be afraid. We're like, this feels like a contradiction. No, he says, because I'm with you. He's holy. And he wants you to know him as dad, as Abba. Amen? <sighs> Jesus says, in John 16, he says, when you pray, you'll pray to the Father. Not to me, you'll pray to the Father using my name. You don't, you don't go, you don't, you pray to the Father using my name. The next chapter, he says, Father, and he prays. This is the real Lord's prayer here. Not when he's teaching them to pray. One, he's just praying that we have recorded. It's amazing. My prayer is that they would be where I am. And they would have what I've had since the beginning. That they would know you love them as much as you love me. When I read that verse for the first time, I wanted to faint. Jesus said, for the Father, you love them as much as you love me. What? The Lord showed me. He says, which one of your kids do you love most? I said, oh, 
Father. This one. I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't help myself. I have four kids. Two adopted, two biological. Two adopted girls, two biological boys. Which one do I love most? You can't. If you're a parent, you, you know you can't answer that question. You're going, you, you must not have kids to answer that question. Right? So Jesus is a son. Hebrews says that we've entered the church of the firstborn. When I read that, I go, wait a second. He says, you're the church of the firstborn. Meaning not even Jesus is declaring he's the firstborn. Even though we know he's the firstborn. He's like, yeah, we all are. In the, in the sense of inheritance, in the sense of all that, Jesus is like, I'm just going to share my inheritance. We're all going to share in the same inheritance. We're like, the firstborn says, no, nah, we're all firstborns. I'll just share it all with you. What? I just, I'm sorry. I never can get over this. My mind will not let me to try to fully comprehend and make that common. God sent his one and only to die on my behalf. Jesus had to die for me to come even close to the Father. For his blood to wash away my sins to make me holy and allow me to come into that holy place so I don't die. And he says, boldly come in. Only a son can come boldly in. That or a bride, like Esther. The other term the Bible uses for you is the bride of Christ. He's holy. And the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Just let that sink in. Every devil that lies to you and says, you're this, you're that, you're not good, and you're shame, all, con- all that stuff. Flush it. Those were the, that's where those demons belong. Flush it. The Bible says. And he puts his word above his name. He says he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Wow. Father, who art in heaven, holy, holy, holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is God's desire. Jesus only prays according to the Father's will. And he's like, let me teach you how to pray according to the Father's will. The Father wants to be on earth. The Bible starts in a garden with the Father on earth and ends in a garden with the Father on earth. He wants cohabitation. He wants to walk and do life with you. This is good news. So he says, pray this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not yours, his. But when you love him, they become the same. Not that he changes his will to yours, but you change yours to his because you realize his is way better. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, there's different imageries in the scriptures for bread. In the New Testament alone, I see four different imageries for bread. One is bread, (laughs) which I'm on keto, so I don't eat it, but I want to. We were at Sizzlers yesterday with the cheese and the, the what? I was like, you put that, get behind me, Satan, trying to tempt me. It looked good. Bradford just ate it. I was like, oh, my gosh, Tom. Oh, 
Like, really? It's messed up. But bread is good, isn't it? Oh, anyone been to Europe? They make it every day. It's warm every day. I'm like, how are these people not 400 pounds? It's like all skinny and whatever. Maybe without the preservatives and all that stuff. I don't know. So we like bread. That's good. There's another time when Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. And Satan comes and he says, hey, you know, you're fasting. I know you're hungry. If you be God's son, because the father said it, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he comes to twist and pervert that. Did God really say? Well, if God really said, then why don't you speak to that rock and turn it into bread? And what does Jesus say? Man doesn't live by bread alone. He's speaking Deuteronomy, by the way. He's speaking scripture to the devil because that's the sword <sighs> to defend yourself. It's the word of God. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. By every word that proceeds. So the word of God, give us this day. Hey, Dad, will you speak to me today? That's how we live, church. Give us this day our daily bread. You don't live by bread alone. You live by the word, which becomes bread to us, because Jesus says he's the manna that came down from heaven. And he is his word, John 1, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's the manna from heaven to feed you between here and the promise. Come on, church, you're quiet. Isn't that good news? Jesus is the word. I need to hear his word today. And by the way, the word being used for word isn't even logos. It's rhema. It's hearing his voice. But you can get that right here. Read this, and the spirit of God will turn this into rhema. It'll just jump out off you, hit you in the chest, and you just go, <gasps> that's better than a ribeye steak. You know what I mean? You go about skipping throughout your day because God spoke to you. Amen? We live by that bread. Man, when people don't eat that bread, when they don't ask and take part of that bread, I can tell. I've been pastoring, uh, senior pastoring for 10 years, and the people come to me, Oh, pastor, will you pray for me? I said, can I ask you a question before we go into that? Where are you reading in your Bible right now? Because you would see your whole situation differently if the living one was speaking to you every day. You would realize you're more than a conqueror. You'd realize it. Because he would be speaking it to you. So I wish I could help you. I wish at 5 in the morning I could shake you, wake you up, say, oh, time to be with Yahweh this morning. But I'm not. Okay? Because I'm with Yahweh. Another imagery in Scripture for bread. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and by his wounds you are healed. And Jesus says, Hey, I want, I want you to take this bread. I want you to take it and eat it as a remembrance of my body broken for you. You know, in communion, when you take the bread, you're declaring his body was broken for your healing. Healing, give us this day, our daily bread.
So what I do if I have any problem, any infirmity, any, in, anything like that, take communion. Thank you, Jesus, that this doesn't belong to me. This does. My healing, it, I, it belongs to me. That's my inheritance in Christ. Healing. Give me this day my daily bread. Amen? We have another scripture. In Matthew, we see this woman, a Syrophoenician woman, who comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is vexed by a demon. And Jesus doesn't answer her. She's a Syrophoenician woman. She's not a Jewish person. She's not an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. So Jesus doesn't answer. And the disciples say, can you get this woman? She's irritating us. Get, send her away. And it's then that Jesus answers. I love it. Waiting to see how long the disciples' love lasts. She's irritating us. Get her away. Tell her to go away. Jesus like, now I'll talk to her. And he says, it's not good. He's, it's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs. This is super offensive. What's the children's bread? What's the daily bread? What's she asking for? Deliverance. Give us this day our daily bread. He says it's not good to give the bread, which is what she's asking for is deliverance. That belongs to who? The children. Our Father, who art in heaven. To the dogs, which is unclean as a Gentile. Unbeliever. The bread from the Father's table is for the children. It's for you. Our Father. Deliverance is for those who are children. For those who love him. Hearken unto his voice. Amen. Healing. The word of God. Deliverance. And physical bread. He says, ask for it every day. We like that. Psalm 103, verse 2, he says, forget not the Lord's benefits. For he forgives all. What's the cup? Washing away our iniquities and transgressions. He forgives them all. And he heals all our infirmities, our, our illnesses. The verse talks about both of these elements and what they do. Don't forget it, he says. The Lord comes with benefits. I like that. People are looking for a job with benefits. I'm like, you need to find the Lord with benefits. He's got better benefits. Forgive us of our debts, which comes in the cup. The washing away of your sins. As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. This is a key, church. The Bible says that if you do not forgive others, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. What? This is so, so important. I just found so many people who, who live in unforgiveness. I go, you cannot be before him and keep it. All that tells me is you, you're not in front of him enough. You get in front of him, he'll bring it up. His light will shine on your darkness and he will bring it up because he loves you. Because it's a sin and sin leads to death and he's the living one. What did the disciples say 
to the to the Pharisees and to the the religious. You killed the author of life. He's the living one. You come before him, and you've got death living inside of you through bitterness and unforgiveness. He'll bring it up so that you can remove it so that nothing hinders love. You know, sin hinders love. The communion he wants to have with you, your sin hinders that communion. That hinders love. He's not, he's not angry and all this. He doesn't want anything to hinder love. So, Father, forgive us our transgressions. As you've forgiven ours, Lord, we forgive theirs. Amen? So that we can love him and our neighbor. Thank you for forgiving us. We forgive them. The two commandments. Love him, love them. I'm, I'm breaking it already if I'm in unforgiveness towards another person. I'm hindering love. And back to the deliverance again. It's right here. Lead us not into temptation. And then I would love helping Christians see this because a lot of Christians don't think they need deliverance. I'm like, every Christian needs deliverance. Let that sink in on you. Deliverance is for the children. Deliver us from the evil one. The church has used this as a daily prayer for 2,000 years, and in it is a prayer of deliverance. If deliverance isn't for Christians, then why is this here? Let it sink in a little bit, church. Deliverance is for you, not for the world. It's not good to give the children's bread. He said, well, she got it. Yeah, what happened? She says, yeah, but even the children are allowed to eat the crumbs from the master's table. He says, that's great faith. Go, your daughter's well. She received it because of faith. How do we become the descendants of Abraham? By faith. It's for those of faith. It's all right here. And I always talk about the first and essential point of Jesus' message was not love. His central message is the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a central message. Twice in one prayer, he mentions the kingdom. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth. A king and a kingdom. A kingdom has to do with a king and a king has to do with a reign. Has to do with his will. Let your kingdom come, let your will, let your reign, let the way you want it to be, let it be on earth. And then he goes and he ends it with, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Mentions the kingdom twice in one prayer. Short prayer, not even a long prayer. It's about him reigning. It's about you cohabitation, your cohabitation with him. And then he invites you to co-reign with him. He says, you're going to need me every day, so ask for me every day. It's not going to be your will, but my will every day. And a key to it is forgiveness. You want to enjoy the glory of the Lord? It's in his kingdom. So seek it first. Amen. So we're going to seek it this morning. I want to make our um, first and foremost an appeal to anyone in this room that doesn't know Jesus. Jesus died for you. You need to know this. 
No one will ever love you the way God loves you. Because no one, no one has ever paid a higher price to be with you. Not, not a one. The highest price, you know, we always talk about something's only worth what you're willing to pay for it. If I got a 1981 Toyota 2x truck, and I'm like, listen, I'll sell this to you for $50,000. You're like, no, nah, that thing's worth $800. But it's a classic. It's worth $800. That's what that's worth. It's got a blown head gasket. I'll give you $400. No, 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 no. $50,000. I'm not willing to pay for it. So it's not worth it. Even if the person who's trying to sell it thinks it's worth fifty grand, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. That's how these things work. So what are you worth? Heaven paid the highest price for you. There's never been a higher price that anything has ever been purchased for than the price that was paid for you. The prince of heaven gave his life for you to become a prince of heaven. What? That's what God thought about you. No one has ever loved you, and no one will ever love you the way this God loves you. Would you guys close your eyes, bow your head? I want to just make an opportunity for anyone in this room that doesn't know the Lord, but in the preaching, the Spirit of God has been telling you what this man is saying is true. There is a God who sent his son to die on the cross because your problem was sin. And God's solution was his blood to wash away your sins so that you could be a friend, a son of heaven. And today you want to give your life to him. To say yes to him so that you can have that life that's in him. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. I see that hand. The Spirit of God is speaking to those in this room that this word was for. What I just said in the last 15 seconds, it was for a couple of you. And I promise you, not every person sitting here was feeling that same pressing of the Spirit of God. They weren't feeling it because they either already have it or they don't want it. But for some of you, the Spirit of God was pushing, saying, this is for you. I don't want you to resist that. I want you to say, yes, this is for me. I want it. If that's you, just lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. I see those hands. I want you to pray this prayer. If that was you, you lift up your hand. If this already belongs to you, if this already belongs to you, pray this with me. Say, Father God, church across this room, say, Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. He died for my sins on the cross. Was buried for three days. And on the third day, rose from the dead. He's now seated with you. And he's poured out his spirit. I ask that you would give me that spirit. I confess and repent of all sin. And I ask that by the blood of Jesus, 
you'd wash away my sins and that you give me life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. Now, there's some of you in this room that you came to church today, but it's been a while. And to be honest, you feel distanced from the Lord. You believe in the Lord. You know Jesus is the Son of God. You've given your life to him. You've been baptized. You've, but you've been what we call backslidden. You've kind of thought, maybe I can do this without coming before him very often. And right now you feel that void between you and him. And sin has begun to creep in. And you begin to feel shame and condemnation and those things. But it's not for you. And the Bible says that if we sin... He says, but if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's willing to do that. And that's for you this morning. You don't want to leave this place without being made right with God. You're ready to turn away from your sins. You're ready to come back into his presence and for his delight to be upon your life. If that's you, lift up your hand. I want to pray with you. You feel that distance between you and God, but you don't want it anymore. If that's you, say this prayer with me. Say, Father God, across this room, everyone say it with me. Father God, I confess I have drawn away from you and I have sinned. I've made other things of a higher priority than you and I confess it as sin. Forgive me. And I ask that by your blood, the blood of your son, you wash away my sins. Go ahead and say this. Condemnation, you're not for me. Go ahead and say, Spirit of God, draw near to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get the ministry team, whether it's my team and the team from this? Church, to come forward, be prepared to pray for someone. If that was you, either one of those, I want you to come forward. We want to pray with you. Be bold. Listen, this should be just be bold. Don't, oh, gosh, I shouldn't raise my, if I would have known. Just be bold. Come forward. Say, that was me. I want you to be able to tell the person you're, you're, you're speaking to, I was the first one. I was giving my life to Jesus. I was the second one. I was coming back to the Lord. And I want you, those of you who are the ministers, I want you to, to pray. Say, Holy Spirit, and you pray over them. If they're a new believer, I want you to, to, to connect with them. If there's a baptism, anything needed, I want you to set that up. I want you to take them on the steps to set that up. If that was you, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to come forward. It's okay. Don't be ashamed to come forward. I saw your hands too, by the way. So I can either just like you, you know, you come up here. So don't be ashamed. Just come forward. It's okay. This should be a normal part because you need a family. The Lord said to me, he says, it's okay that you need help sometimes. That's why I gave you a family. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. Okay, so if you're the one who needs to receive prayer, stand facing the person. Turn intent. Stand facing one of these leaders. They're going to pray for you, okay? Go ahead and begin to pray. Go ahead and begin to pray. Thank you, Lord. Now, here's what I want to make available. The other two breads, healing and deliverance. If you need healing in your body, that's for you. That's the children's bread. You need healing in your bodies. So if you want right now, you can just stand up. You, got, you need healing in your body. Just stand up. 
I want to begin to just pray across this room for each other for healing in the body. If you want to come forward, you can come forward for prayer for healing. If you got nightmares, you got um, food allergies, listen, those are unclean spirits. And it's not a big deal. They just need to be told to left. They're messing with the wrong person. You belong to the kingdom, and they need to leave you. They don't get to come against you. They need to leave you, okay? So nightmares, food allergies, um, those type of things, anxiety and depression and fear, overwhelming fear about things. you got phobias, and some people are like, that's a weird, you know, like, why are you afraid of that? That's the enemy trying to work against your life. If you need prayer for those things to just leave you, I want you to come forward. For the rest of you, I want you to pray for these guys, okay? Begin to intercede for them. God's doing something right now, okay? So these might be someone you love. It might be someone you don't know, and you, you don't, like, have that, oh, I love them. But God loves them, okay? And you want your heart to be like his? Pray for them because God loves them, amen? So anyone that has nightmares, that is sense to some of you, the enemy comes at night. It's a quick prayer. But he needs to let you go. He doesn't come to sow tears at night and cause you problems, okay? We need to remove those things. You have food allergies. You have anxiety. You have depression. You have fear. Suicidal thoughts. That's the devil. And he's coming against you, but he needs to leave you, okay? So if you need prayer for any of those things, that's the children's bread. For the rest of you, just extend a hand and begin to say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on them. Let your grace come upon them. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn away the things that shouldn't be there. Lord, heal their hearts. Heal their bodies. Deliver them from anything unclean. Begin to pray for them. Your prayers have power. Listen, if you were to come with me and I say, hey, pray, pray like this, you would watch your prayers change reality right in front of you. Your prayers have power. So, Father, we just pray for all those who have come forward right now. We just ask that the yoke of the enemy be broken off of them right now. For those who are giving their lives to you, Lord, we ask they would not have a disappointing baptism in the Holy Spirit. You would come and you would baptize them with the Holy Ghost and fire. You would fill their hearts with life. You would deliver them from evil. You would heal their bodies. You would remit their sins, Lord. We ask that you would just root them and ground them in this family, in this body, Lord. We bless them. We, we just welcome them into the family of God. For those who are coming back, Lord, we ask that by your blood, you would wash away their shame. Any shame or condemnation, let the blood of Jesus, Lord, remit it. And every spirit that's coming against them, condemning them, saying, oh, you're just a sinner. God doesn't forgive you. Lord, silence those spirits. We rebuke those spirits now. We say, you're not for the children of God. You're a liar. God loves us. He says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So those spirits have to go. We say, come out of the people. You will no longer work against them. You will no longer whisper lies like the serpent in the garden. We don't want to hear your voice. We have the Father's voice. We don't need to hear your voice. Get out of our lives. So leave these believers now. Lord, for those who have come forward for the children's bread of deliverance or healing, we ask that you would give it. We ask this day for our daily bread of healing and of deliverance, Lord. Every unclean spirit, we command you, let the people go. Deliver us from evil, Lord. And Lord, for the healing of the bodies, we speak to backs, we say be healed. We speak to knees, we say be healed. We speak to feet, we say be healed. We speak to arthritis, we say be healed. We speak to, to dyslexia, we say be healed. We speak to the liver, we say be healed. We speak to the heart, we say be healed. We speak to the lungs, we say be healed. We speak to the blood, we say be healed. 
Lord, we speak to the nervous system. We say, be healed. To every ligament, tendon, and nerve, we say, be healed. To every vertebrae, we say, be restored. We speak healing over the body. We speak healing right now. We speak healing over the body. Lord, over the heart, the broken heart, the wounds of the heart, we say, let the Spirit of God come and bring healing. Jesus, you said you came to bind up the brokenhearted. We receive it now. Let that be our bread this morning. It's healing within our souls. Let all trauma be healed by the healer this morning. In Jesus' name. Let the fire of God come and let it burn away everything that doesn't belong to the children. Refine us. You're the refiner. Refine us, Lord. As silver and gold, refine us, Lord. That when we stand before you, we'll see you, we'll know you, because we've been refined to look just like you. We want to look like the bridegroom. We want to look like the Father. And we invite Holy Spirit to come as a consuming fire and burn away all the shaft, burn away all the impurities, burn away all uncleanness, burn it all away by your Spirit. We give you permission, Lord. Come, heal and deliver your people. Church, keep praying for them. They need your prayers. Jesus said, can't you even tarry for an hour to his disciples? They were praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they kept stopping in prayer. He's like, come on, come on. He's encouraging them. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. You can pray longer. So, Lord, we bless them. We ask that heaven would invade earth in this place right now and heal that which needs to be healed, Deliver that which needs to be delivered. Wash away that which needs to be washed away. Lord, we forgive those who have sinned against us. We forgive them. We release them. Lord, you forgave us. We ask that your mercy and your grace would be upon them. Your love would fill them. Your peace would rest on them and around them. We ask this, Lord. We ask that the fear of the Lord would fill your people. Let the wisdom of the Lord be the fruit of it, Lord. Le Oh, Lord, we need you. Not by our strength. Not by our might, but by the Spirit, Lord. This is how this ministry is done. You said the Spirit brings eternal life. Human effort is useless. We declare our need for the Spirit of God. We need you, Holy One. We need you, Holy Spirit. We ask that you come like a fire and burn away all the impurities, all the sin and shame and condemnation. Every infirmity be healed and delivered. Every wound or injury be healed. Let the Spirit of the living God come and make the broken things whole. Let the depression lift and let joy come. Let those things, those appetites for things that are just lesser things, let them have a new appetite for the holiness of God, for the righteousness of God. Let them hunger and thirst for righteousness. We bless the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, we exalt you, Lord. We love you. Oh, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you've already done, Lord. You said, enter your courts with thanksgiving, your gates with praise. Oh, Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the healing and the deliverance. We thank you for the salvation of those who, who raised the, the two that gave their lives to Jesus this morning. We celebrate you, Lord. We celebrate our brother and our sister who gave their lives and came into the kingdom today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We exalt you. 
Let the Spirit of the Lord come now. We love you, Lord. Healing. Healing, Lord. Let the anointing break the yoke. Let their souls be healed. Let their hearts be bound up. Let the Spirit of the Lord come and baptize. Let them speak in new tongues and prophesy. Let all shame and condemnation go. Let every spirit of lust and perversion go. Let every spirit of depression and anxiety go. Let every spirit coming against God's people. We say you're trespassing on holy ground. We command you let the people go. Let the people go. Every, every, every devil that's binding the minds of the people, causing learning problems, causing speech or vision or any issues like that, we break that off now. We break off every demonic crown. We break it off now. We say, let the crown of Christ be upon them. Yeah, let healing come upon their minds. Yes, peace upon their hearts. Every devil, we command you, let the people go. You're trespassing on holy ground. Every infirmity, leave the people. Every weight of heartache, leave the people. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hele ba 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 ma we love you lord we love you lord le ka ra ba 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 holy holy